You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is a true romance. I'm telling you, there's not one movie that I can think of that tells a better story about two people that fall in love, find some cocaine, kill a pimp, and sell to a movie producer. We're talking about true romance. Eric, how the hell are you doing? Something out of Shakespeare, I guess, from this movie. Tell me why, before we bring in Sarah, who had to watch this movie with us, I I forced her and my mother to watch this movie on a Saturday night, by the way. So before we bring Sarah in and we get this story, I, I want to ask, Jordan, why did we pick this one again? Well, this is the second episode for our Year of Love series, and we have some interesting movies coming our way throughout the rest of 2022, and we got to throw some zingers in there, right? Movies that are love stories, but a little bit different. And Tarantino said that when he wrote this screenplay, one of his favorite movies at the time was Badlands, which we're going to argue is a romance movie. So he made his own version of Badlands slash Bonnie and Clyde, and I think this kind of breaks up the monotony of, uh, oh, forgive me, standard chick flicks. How about that? Sure, this is definitely not a standard chick flick if that's what Quentin Tarantino is going for. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this one. This is one of my favorites. This is probably my top 50 favorite films of all time. So I'm kind of curious what Sarah has to say, who has never seen this. How about you, Sarah? Oh, Jordan, with the cast list as prolific as this one, I was expecting a whole lot more out of it. Um, as Eric mentioned, uh, we watched it with his mom after an unfortunate um, cancellation of a musical we were supposed to go to. We decided to come back to our house, drink some wine, and watch True Romance. And as the credits were rolling at the beginning, we said, okay, you know, Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette, got it, got it. Oh, Val Kilmer, ooh, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken, Samuel L. Jackson. My God, the cast. And then we finished this movie and went, what did we just watch? Eric didn't say that. I don't believe that. Well, he'd seen it before. He knew. But his mom and I both said the same thing. So you two went into this expecting a romance to your standard of romance. You were not expecting uh, a gangster romance then. I I don't even know how to to respond to that. Bonnie and Clyde, I guess, if you want to say that. No, no, a gangster romance. Tell me that you were not expecting something different than what you got then. So I had no idea what this was. Um, Per the sort of, I guess, uh, Eric way of watching movies for the podcast, I did no research. All I knew was Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette were in this movie. It was shot in the 90s. I was even surprised that it's set in Detroit in the beginning of the movie. Uh, So I had no expectations about this movie. uh, And I still have no expectations because it was not great. Oh, my God. You don't (laughs) think this is great? No. This is probably, (laughs) excuse me, this is probably the second best movie in this series that we're going to do. I'm not Uh, telling you. There's the hype, Sarah. I I heard there was hype. I heard um, your expectations were high for me to watch this movie, and I am sorry to let you down. But this was this was not my favorite. Okay, fine. So let's let's talk about Eric. 
you have seen this before. I have seen this before. I mean, I was so excited to see this. I haven't seen this in years. When's the last time you've seen this, Eric? The one and only time that I have seen this was in high school. It was, I'm very certain it was in the basement of when I was smoking weed for the first time. Or one of, <laughs> or, or one of, uh, in, in whatever those events were. We watched a lot of movies. Like, that's just what, that was our escape. We, we liked to, to do that and just watch movies. And so this was one such a movie that was on that we had rented for one night because we knew somebody worked at Blockbuster or, you know, that's what that's what our routine was. So this was, one, wow. because it was recommended or because we were doing a, a Quentin thing and we saw seen like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir, Do Reservoir Dogs and then we had to, had to do this one too. And it did not disappoint for the Quentin quality, but no. it, it did come up short on a lot of other... A lot of other things. This this Hodge, I remember this movie a, a bit differently. I had described it as where I had thought, and maybe just because I was saturated with everything else that I had seen, or maybe because of the state that I watched the movie that I was in, but it was more of like a boondock saint that I was remembering. And yeah. as I was watching it now, this is just like, when you say, give me another movie, you know what my first one go-to was? It was Baby Boy with Tyrese. Oof. And, yeah, and uh, whoever else was in that was it Megan Good or something? Yeah, uh, that is okay. is what I I went to with that. I mean, I, I guess you could do Bonnie and Clyde as well, but I'm gonna stick with Baby Boy. This movie had less wife wife beaters in them, but who <laughs> wow. knows? Chris Penn did did have a shirt on, so it was just only a matter of time. Maybe he's wearing one underneath. Wow. So I guess I'm the only one. Um... Well, tell us why. Tell, uh, please. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was going to get into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm it. very curious. So, oh, we're going to get into I, it. Oh, we're going to get into it. because So, there. I, I don't know for anybody who was listening to this episode in YouTube, if there's ever been a movie that you hear somebody talk about that just this one person in your life talks about, and you go and you seek that movie out, and you watch it, and you really, really like it, and you talk to other people about it, and they look at you with that look on their face like, what are you talking about? True Romance became my movie. I discovered this freshman year of film school in my cinematography class. Uh, a guy was talking about it, saying that, that this was Tarantino's first script filmed. The second one was Natural Born Killers. So this is his uh, bleed into uh, bleeding into Hollywood for the very first time. And Tony Scott, the director, who was Ridley Scott's brother, mm -hmm. who did Alien and Blade Runner, Thelma Louise and Gladiator, didn't change the script besides the ending. So I'm like, oh, my God, okay, so I got to check this out. And I checked it out, and I had no idea what I was getting myself into, and I was blown away because this is the kind of movie that speaks to me. This has everything that I'm looking for in this kind of movie. It has your love. It has your thriller. It has your drama. It has your action. Oh, my God. And the cast is A-list. So if all these A-listers are in this movie, this is not a movie 43 here situation here, folks. I mean, this is <laughs> one of the greatest Tarantino movies ever. And I've watched, just uh, before this recording, I watched an interview with Tarantino on youtube where he said that he thinks still to this day which was recorded after once upon a time in hollywood 
that his best scene he ever wrote was the Sicilian scene. Oh, my God. I mean, he still oh, oh. thinks that's the best. So that's that is my love for it. It's funny that you said movie 43 because I I had said that, too. I, I compared this movie to movie 43 in how infrequent the celebrities stay in this movie. It <laughs> seems to happen in uh, every scene. It, you get introduced to a new celebrity character, and that, and that's it. They're in for that scene. This is like a Hail Caesar situation, buddy. Yeah, but you understand, though, and I, I promise after this, folks, and also for you guys, I am not going to go on a rant. This is not going to be a James Bond moment here. This is not the Jordan show. But I have to get this off my chest because my wife and I were talking about it last night. Majority of people in this movie were undiscovered, did not have big budget films yet. This was let's let's talk about this real quick. Samuel Jackson. This is a year before Pulp Fiction. Brad Pitt. This is only two years after he was the sexy cowboy in Thelma Louise. Christian Slater didn't have a huge career yet. Patricia Arquette didn't have a huge career yet. You have uh, Chris Penn just got started out. Tom Sizemore just got started. You have Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper, who were like your big gets. Gary Oldman. The following year does Dracula. So, I mean, like, it's just these these people are just not there yet. That's why that's so fun about this movie, guys. Gary it's Oldman in this movie. Amazing. Gary Oldman in an interview said, okay, I'm getting rid Gary Oldman in an interview said that he wishes that there was just a Drexel movie because he would do it. Oh, my he God. He loves that character. He loves that character. He was asked recently, uh, two years ago, would you rather play Drexel again or the bad guy from Fifth Element? And he said Drexel, hands down. Do you think he would – how old is he right now? Like 60? That would be amazing. A six-year-old Drexel. Oh, my goodness. All right, so I'm done with my big hype. I'm done with my rant. This is not going to be a Bond episode. Let's talk about this. So, takes place modern time, 1993. Christian Slater, just your typical loser guy who likes kung fu movies and works at a comic book store. All of a sudden, beautiful blonde walks into a movie theater and dumps popcorn on him. So let's talk about that real quick. I would be mad. Eric, would you be mad? I would be mad as hell if some person, doesn't matter who it is, walks in and just dumps popcorn all over me. What the heck? Sarah, is that your move? Is that how you got Eric? No, I got him with cookies. I dumped cookies all over him. That's true. Uh, I probably would be uh, more upset that I lost my own popcorn and I don't get to have popcorn in the theater. But I don't hey, think she cared. She did not. Well, she was on a mission. She wasn't there looking for love or happiness. She was there to, to get some because that was her job. She's, she yeah. had her mark. I would be more upset, to be honest. And he had said it later on. But that out of, out of an empty theater, you chose this row directly behind me. You chose to go behind me. Like I, That's what I would be angry about. But what are you like? Yeah, like that's your thought? Is that you chose to go right next to the person? Well, Lady. Why not, right? <laughs> why not, right? This is a love story. No, what if we... you have it, well, I get it, but I mean, if you're in an empty theater like that, like, listen, I've seen, because of Movie Guys Podcast, I've had to see movies by myself sometimes in theaters, and there is an unspoken rule about the movie row buffer, about the seat buffer. Like, it, the same rule goes for, uh, Men's urinals. There's a buffer. You don't go right next to the person. 
You allow a little room. What? You allow a little room for mystery. You allow a little room for uh, for emergency there. This is ridiculous. Already right off the bat, uh, Sarah, I heard you agree with him. I, I, you guys are defending the bull crap and love actually, but you're not going to just go with the fact that she just picks him. Because okay, you did, you did not. It doesn't matter. She's a call girl. <laughs> exactly. This movie does not start out as a love story. It starts out as a job. She is there to sleep with him for his birthday because his boss sent her, and that is it. And then I think because she has never had a a healthy male relationship in her life, and because he doesn't know that she's a hooker, uh, you know, they bond over their love of martial arts. Maybe she actually loves martial arts films. I don't know. They bond. She, they sleep together. They have a lot of licking going on. Mm -hmm. uh, that was bad. That was, that was, a that very was uncomfortable. That was excessive. Yeah. 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 I, I did not like that sex scene. No. I, no. I, I totally agree. Go ahead, yeah. Sarah. Uh, and then she decides after like five minutes, she's in love with him. Because like I said, this is the only healthy, quote unquote, male relationship she's probably ever had in her life. This guy is treating her well before he knew she was a hooker. Yeah. And now she's in love with him. And of course, he's getting attention from this beautiful woman. So let's get married. This doesn't start out as a love story. It's a business transaction. And isn't that the start of every relationship ever? It starts out as a business transaction. Don't tell me it doesn't. Certainly did for Pretty Woman. No, 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 no. And I'm not talking about sex. Tell me that not. What are we talking about? Pretty Woman was a, was a transaction, buddy. Well, I know, but I'm saying... He okay. needed directions. Okay, fine, fine. But you're going to sit here and tell me that, that, that you know, a, a beautiful woman walks into a bar, that, that scenario, and a guy sees her and is attracted to her. He does not start off with a transaction of, hey, can I buy you a drink? That's a transaction. There Nonsense. were no transactions on our That's an offering. Day. I'm going to throw that that's, out there. That's, oh, an, that's an offering. A transaction is just like I'm giving you money for this action. Yeah, you're going to do this thing for me, so I'm going to pay you to do that thing. Oh, really? Buying a drink is not you, the same. How is it any different than you feeding Eric cookies for you guys first? But who spent the money to make those cookies? I didn't actually you, make him cookies. Oh well, I'm just saying. Let's just go for that scenario. I'm just saying. Like, well, this. that okay. Jordan is called a trap right there because she curses <laughs> me with the cookies. So that's, fair enough. Yeah. We have really diverged. Yeah, I'm just yes, saying. Well, I'm just saying. Okay, We're getting out I, of the bottom of it, actually. This is this is nowhere near as more ridiculous as Love Actually. Well, can I just say point. that it, it we're at this point where she's getting tattoos and they're they're getting married mm -hmm. very quickly, and the entire time for the rest of the movie, even now, it feels like she is always just on on the job. Ready to go, ready to right. to just you it like like she's so out of young, dumb, and and horny that she just will go to any guy that's near her that gives her attention. And she's just oh mm -hmm. hey, it is very happy go lucky. Very, uh, this is I don't who the character is. You don't think so? You, you think that the, there's no. a bit. No, I, I mean, like, this is, this is a movie, guys. This loopy, is fantasy. man. This is loopy character. Is that of what course. this is? A, well, I understand this is a fantasy. This is totally a fantasy. This is, this is, this is, again, this is no different than Love Actually. Like, I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to be told that I have to believe that these two crazy people clearly, we, the jury, find the defendants insane. 
You, I, I mean, like, of you do realize that Love Actually is not a good movie. No, right? But Neither I'm saying of us that, have said that. Well, here's the thing, though. You guys were defending that movie. We weren't defending oh, it for what? For yeah, what? But, defending well, it? What do you? In what? It, re- re- refresh me. You were talking. You guys were talking about certain storylines that you liked more than I was like. I was like, no, all of it's garbage. All of it. And you guys are like, no, it's all. It's some are good. I was like, no, it's not. I mean, like, I was I'm in just... the character trying to to be the devil's advocate of defending something, but overall, <laughs> I I did not give that movie well, any. Well, we have to talk about it before we get into the big stuff in the beginning, but we got to talk about that. Clearly, Clarence is mentally unstable because the beginning of the movie when he's unsuccessfully hitting on a girl in the bar, he has to talk to his imaginary friend Elvis Presley, where you see no face of Val Kilmer. So what do you think say, of that? Uh, Beautiful. We didn't know it was Val Kilmer until the very end when we went, huh, who, where, where did Val Kilmer come in? Oh, he was Elvis. Yeah, he we begged, had to Google that one. To do, he begged to do this role. Hmm. He wanted it so bad. Okay, so my favorite part of the movie, uh, no, my second favorite part of the movie, um, he finds out that she's a call girl and she has a pimp. And I love how she said pimp. I just find that fun. Her name is Alabama, but she's from, what, Tallahassee, she said? Tallahassee. And Tallahassee. Why is she Alabama? We'll find out later because you guys probably don't know because I I did never. Um, I can't, can't wait to hear it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she has a pimp, and it's Drexel. Well, why this is going on, Drexel is doing a drug transaction with some random guy and Samuel Jackson to steal some coke. That was fun. That was not fun for, for either of you. I mean, this is that 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 drug transaction was classic Tarantino. No, Gary Oldman as as the pimp. No, you guys don't oh, see this. Oh, as sure. Awesome. I I found it to be a, a wonderfully entertaining. You see, it? like it's just wild characters in a yeah. in a scene where it's it's. I'm was trying to figure out if Gary Oldman like had an accent and if he did where it was from or what what was happening it it, it was matter. it did it, no it it didn't i mean it, it's you know it almost as bad as uh john malkovich and what's it rounders it's nice it's it's you listen you when he speaks i'm listening but not out of it, because I'm intimidated, because I'm curious, like genuinely, just been like, I have so many questions. I just want to hear you talk a little bit more because I need to guess. I know it's it's fun. It's it's absolutely fun for me. So the drug transaction scene with Samuel Jackson, Sarah, what did you think of that? Um, I think that's where I started to fall asleep. What? <laughs> <laughs> I did have to rewatch a portion of it this morning because I fell asleep. Um, for okay. a, a fairly large chunk of the movie, um, a pretty good big chunk. I did. I did see the part. I remember. I, I remember Samuel L. Jackson because I was. I was excited that he was there, and then you know he gets blown away in the first. I don't know. He's only in Perfect. there for a couple minutes, uh, which was like I said. Yeah, like you said Ben saying you know it's very Tarantino, um, and I think that was was that the first one that they worked on together. Well, well, Tarantino wasn't on the set. I mean, oh, that's I mean, right, that's right. He yeah. didn't show up at all. That's right. He yeah, was just he, the writer. He, he just wrote the script. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it was a good. I mean, it was a good scene. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, I want to talk about. Um, okay, one of the big scenes here. So, Christian Slater, uh, Clarence finds out. You know, the pimp 
hey, write down the pimp's address, and I'm going to go and get your stuff. And Alabama's like, eh, okay, because he gets the confidence from Elvis. He goes to the pimp's house. He goes to Drexel's place. Oh, my God. Every film student in film school had to recreate this scene. I could watch this scene for hours on YouTube. This whole uh, lampshade scene. Oh, God. You guys do not... You guys are not getting film nerd school geeky like I am right now. Like this, it's shot great. It's edited great. The tension is amazing. Gary Oldman is absolutely amazing in this. Nothing. You guys do not feel this at all. It is a typical Tarantino tension building scene that he's known for, man. Like he's known for the dialogue that it happens. It's it's in it's in every movie, Jordan. So I understand that if you want to flip geek out nerd, you know, uh, film nerd student uh, wise about it that's fine uh and i'm happy for it i don't want to take it away it, it's i guess it's just the origin of of something that i've seen already it's just i it seemed kind of silly just because it was it seemed like gary oldman with dreadlocks swinging a lampshade <laughs> yes, yes i know that's the thing and, is that, and is mumble it, rapping the basically the entire way through a scene this is the genesis I mean, like, that's what makes me so geek out about it is that you see where this has started and then where it has progressed and how how amazing this writer director has become with his craft. Like, I mean, this started with this. This is great. I, I mean, like, it's just, you know, what? how about this? I'm excited because I feel that every single actor on set is having a blast. They're not working oh, that yeah. much. Maybe maybe a week of work because a new star is going to come in. You know what I mean? Like, a blast. Sarah, don't break my heart. You love you love the Drexel lampshade scene, right? Come on, dude. It was fun. I mean. You're being sweet. Don't do that. Come on. <laughs> be, give me your honest opinion. To be honest, I was half a glass of wine in. I remember the scene vaguely. I don't remember a lampshade at all. Well, he was sitting down. And he was yeah. talking to Christian Slater, yeah. and he had oh, this lampshade oh, yeah. hanging, lamp and he, shade, like the, the back and forth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I do remember that. That's I thought amazing. it was good. I liked that. It was fun. It was, it was fun. Clever. Now hold on, hold on. You're you're saying again, like the, you like these these certain scenes. It feels like again, comparing this movie movie forty three style individually because there are so many of these scenes with different actors that we know now to be bigger than who they are in in this movie jordan it it seems like this is just a bunch of different bits of different sketches compiled into this kind of story i will i will agree with you when they get to california i think everything in detroit which is half the movie that's that's a lot because that's the only time that we see dennis hopper that's the only time that we see christopher walken Right. 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 I think I think all the Detroit stuff is solid. I think when they get to California, the time we see Gary Oldman, it, it, it changes. Um, I'm not disagreeing with you that this kind of feels like that movie. Forty forty three ish. It's you know what it is for me, honestly, for you guys. It, it's this is just the kind of movie that hit me at the right age at 18 years old. And it's just been something that's been a part of my life ever since. Uh, it's just something that um, 
it just speaks to me, something that I like. Doesn't mean that I think it's the greatest film ever made. It's just I this movie doesn't ask you to believe in Alabama and Clarence's relationship, but I love the relationship because it's everything that a relationship should not be. And I find it completely entertaining. I find it so entertaining. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm entertained, and that's exactly what a movie is supposed to do. It's supposed to entertain you. And oh, I watched sure. this movie, you know, two days before we record this episode, I watched it with my wife. I, I'm entertained. I'm entertained. I'm, I, I'm having a good time. The Drexel scene is really fun. I love the lampshade. For no reason, the, uh, he's just swinging a lampshade back and forth. We get into a ridiculous fight where they throw Gary Oldman in front of a bunch of fish tanks and prostitutes are running over the place. And it's just it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. And then Clarence sees a prostitute and he's just like, get get a get a bag and put Alabama's things in it. Like she even knows who Alabama even is. I, I, and I get she, it. I guess I, I just compare the likeness with those people who really enjoyed Donnie Darko or those people who, you know, like just really selectively enjoyed a, a type of, of movie for for the alternative meaning of it, the darkness of it. Where it was, you know, like like a Boondock Saints, where it's like this cult classic, sure. where it really got to somebody, where they understood that this movie wasn't supposed to be taken seriously, and how could they? Because that score by Hans Zimmer was fucking atrocious. I can't believe Pardon this was my Hans friend. Zimmer. Can you believe that? Oh my this was god! Ten years into his career, this is oh not god. his first rodeo. Like he'd no. been doing this for a while, and this was atrocious. Uh, I mean, like it's it's. Uh, Atrocious is a little harsh. I like the score because it goes with this movie. The score doesn't make sense, and that's why that's good for this movie. I mean, I, I, it's, again, this, this movie's this this movie's fun for me. So anyway, so uh, so Clarence uh, gets the bag of cocaine. He doesn't know it's cocaine. He brings it back home. Here, here's your clothes, Alabama. They open it up. These ain't my clothes. We have half a million dollars of uncut cocaine. What do you do? You take it to your retired cop slash security guard dad, Dennis freaking Hopper, right the same year as Super Mario Brothers come out, Dennis Hopper. Love it. Racist Dennis Hopper. Tell me this isn't great. Oh, this, this was, is not great. This is prime Dennis Hopper. This is the Hopper I expect. Mm -hmm. So he did, he, he did not disappoint. No, absolutely not. So Clarence is like, hey, bud, we're getting married. Also, my wife freaked out when they were getting ready to leave to go to California. And Alabama just, like, gives a big smooch onto Dennis Hopper. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, because hey. Clarence says, give him, give daddy a kiss. So she does, and then they drive away, and the dad says, oh, he's right. She does taste like peaches. Like, oh, that's so cringy. Oh, so I mean, gross. Is it though? But, but here's the thing though. Again though, is it supposed to be serious? Because that's the thing. He's like, Dad, she tastes like a peach, bud. Oh, okay. And then afterwards, she leaves it. She does taste like a peach. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not laughing. You are right, Sarah. I, I find that a little strange. But that's not out of the realm of this universe that this movie's creating, right? This is crazy. No, like this whole movie is crazy. Yes, it, it, little pit bits like that are a reminder 
when you add it all up that this movie was written at four o'clock in the morning by a coked up <laughs> man who's not slept in God it, knows yeah. how long with the with a very odd foot fetish that and it's just never enough. This is this is what how this movie plays out. Like absolutely. Like Crazy. a deadline had to have been met and cocaine helped reach that deadline. And here's the thing, we all go a little crazy, right? You know, you go to a concert of your favorite artist, and normally you would not jump up and down and scream, woo, and go nuts, right? Or dance in front of other people. But you do because you're in the moment. And that's what this movie is. This movie's just in the moment. One of the fun things about this movie, before we get into the my favorite scene in the movie, is this this movie is is that rock concert to me. You know what I'm saying, guys? Like, it's just, just turn your brain off and just go, wow, this this is crazy. Yeah, like Mars Attacks. Like Mars Attacks. Sarah, you're not liking this. Before I this know is that Mars scene. Attacks is going to be a dumb movie. Uh, it's called Mars Attacks. But this, I, I mean, I'm not saying I was expecting this to be a good or bad movie, or if this is a good or bad movie. But... I feel like Tarantino asks you to suspend disbelief in a lot of things to enjoy this movie. Um, well, yeah. Okay. Many of them being the intelligence of Clarence and Alabama. Oh, 100%. My wife and I said that, Sarah. Clarence is dumb. They're he would not survive. No, no. I, I mean, Alabama has a little bit of swag to her, but Clarence would be dead six times over if it wasn't for Alabama at this point. I mean, Clarence is dumb. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just so dumb. So, the Sicilian scene. So, Christopher Walken and the mob walk in <laughs> into Dennis Hopper's trailer, and they're going to kind of respectfully torture him. They're just like, hey, bud, we know your son came here, so tell us what's going on. And he's like, no. So here's a punch in the face. And then here's a cloth to wipe your bloody nose with. You know, mm-hmm. like that little detail. And then also like, all right, come on, bud. What's going on? Won't tell him. Slit his hand. Put vodka or whatever on it. Hey, here's a cloth. Let's talk about the pantomimes, right? About how Sicilian men have 17 pantomimes, which means that they can tell if you're lying. Women have 20, I guess, in this world. But men have 17 and then dennis hopper goes on one of the most uncomfortable (laughs) crazy racist true history stories i've ever heard in my life and he sells it tell me that tell me you guys do not sarah obviously first tell me you do not believe christopher walk i'm not chris dennis hopper's acting in this movie like he sells it very good I know this guy. I work with (laughs) this guy is all the people I work with. You know, like this guy is wow. He's great, Sarah. I'm not denying it. I agree. He he has some he has some strong opinions. Well, I mean he has yeah. Although is it is it did you look it up? Did is it is there truth? Yeah, it's true. It it no, yeah, it's hundred percent true. It's just the way he says it is what makes it racist, but yes, that is true. That's that's 100% what happened. But I mean, like, he, I, I, I cannot look away at Dennis Hopper in that scene. I mean, like, I don't even think that he knows that he's going to get killed. 
at this point. Mm-hmm. I like. I think he's just pissed off that he got punched in the nose and then he got, you know, like his hand cut. I think he just wants to be a smartass at this point. It's just, I think, typical Dennis Hopper. He just sells it on everything that he does. He's fantastic, I think. Uh, He he just has that that face, that very serious, that very kind of worrisome, very, very bold face, that look that's piercing. And he can, he can really talk to you. With his his monologue, so I I like Dennis Hopper for that. I I've always liked the by he he did a bit on Mad TV with Susan Sarandon that was that it just I, I will always remember, and mm-hmm. and he also did Space Truckers, and we can't forget that one either. We cannot. Yeah, that's a rip off of Aliens. Sarah, before we move on, is the Sicilian scene, in your opinion, the best scene in the movie? I mean, honestly, the best scene in the movie was the end because then it was over. But uh, hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Um, Did you I mean, feel I, anything? Did you feel like this was good? No, I didn't really feel anything. I wasn't like, really? "Wow, this scene is amazing." I hope the rest of this movie is like this. I would rather be Brad Pitt smoking weed and just. Letting the world pass me by. Oh, oh, okay, Eric. Same question. I'm mean, like, is this the best scene in the movie? Tarantino says so. The Sicilian. Yeah. Oh no, I like the gunfight at the end. Are you serious? No, that's that's okay. not a, that's not a question. Although to to Sarah's point too, I I did have a lot of fun thinking that uh, or imagining that Brad Pitt wasn't a part of the movie initially. That he was just actually on the couch, just sitting there smoking, and they just had to <laughs> kind of film the movie around him. <laughs> Mr. Pitt, we're trying to film a movie. If you could please just get off the set, please, Mr. Pitt. And he's just he's just there. Just smoking, yeah. just not moving. <laughs> well, 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 we'll go to it. This is when the movie changes. So uh, Clarence and Alabama go to California with the uh, big, huge suitcase, half a million dollars worth of cocaine. And Clarence calls his old acting or his old buddy who is now a struggling actor, wannabe actor in, in, in L.A., and I don't know the actor's name. I've seen him in a tons of stuff. Uh, he was in Friends, and also he started his own sitcom, The War at Home. That's Michael Rappaport. Yeah. I, again, I did not know his name, but I've seen him. Well, in the movie, his name is Dick, which is his very name important. Is Dick. Okay, so his name is Dick. <laughs> and and uh, Dick has a roommate, um, uh, Brad Pitt, Floyd, smoking out of a out of a smoking weed out of a V eight. No, it was a honey bear. It was a honey bear. It was a honey bear, yeah, or or something. He was, was smoking weed bear. out of out of out of out of the honey bear looking containers. Uh huh. You can do that, Jordan. Any I plastic? Don't I'm pretty sure you can smoke out of anything. Yeah, you try hard. I enough. see. Hey, hey, in, in movies, I see people smoking weed out of apples. I don't know if that was real or not. Oh yeah. So I'm I'm being honest here. I don't know. Yeah, uh, and, but okay. anything. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I didn't know. Um, I love Floyd. Uh, he's in this movie, I think, for three scenes. He's fun. Uh, this is not a Brad Pitt role. I just absolutely find him uh, fun as hell. And I would love to see a buddy team-up comedy of Drexel and Floyd traveling the country. That would be amazing. Well, he'll be I hard. think I'd watch more Floyd. Drexel's dead. But uh, we oh. don't know the origin. Maybe they part partying together, 
And then they drifted apart, and Drexel went to Detroit, and Floyd went to L.A. Um, Eric, in your logic, movie guy's logic, no body, no death. Uh, we did not see Drexel's dead body. He could have been grazed by the bullet. Uh, well, I, I, you're, you are absolutely right, yes. Absolutely. So, while this is going on, um, Dick, so Clarence's friend, has a buddy who is, oh, God, um, the young, uh, not, not the producer, but his the other actor. friend, the actor. And he... Belky? Oh, God. Yeah. He is uh, friends with a big Hollywood producer who made a big movie called Going Home in a Body Bag, clearly an apocalypse now ripoff. And they are going to a theme park where the actor gets sick. And strikes a deal, calling the cocaine Dr. Shivago, which is a real movie, by the way, to get ready to make this cocaine deal. And he's making a deal of a lifetime. It's a half a million dollars worth of cocaine, but all he wants is 200000 While this is going on, one of the scenes that I thoroughly enjoyed is uh, Sopranos dude uh, beating the crap out of Alabama. This James, scene was powerful. James Gandolfini. Tell me this scene wasn't powerful, Sarah. Uh, this was, was this was her moment. It was. Um, I was a little confused at the beginning when she walked in because it seemed like she wasn't surprised that he was there. Uh, and I was wondering if she actually knew him. You know, he was the you know the henchman of the boss of the pimp who she had been working for for the last four days. Um, but she was just talking to him like she both knew him and didn't know him. Like she was playing dumb, but not and i thought that was strange uh but yeah then she she kicks his ass um i mean she takes a beating but uh you know starting with the the corkscrew i thought she was going to go through the eye but to go through the foot was was a surprise uh but she she really holds her own um i mean so he's a big guy so i yeah good for her i think i think she was playing dumb the entire time i think when she walked in and she saw him she was trying to play a trying to play aloof you know what i mean like just oh hey you know my husband plays football like i guess for some reason that's supposed to scare gangsters but you know uh the scene was absolutely amazing i could not believe uh that they allowed a man in 1993 to just sucker punch a woman in the face multiple times like to me that was shocking still to this day i just couldn't because it was brutal mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it wasn't wasn't something that you necessarily want to see and then i just when i really fell in love with her truly is when he throws her into the tub and glasses everywhere and she starts laughing joker-esque he's like what what's so funny she says you look ridiculous because he has blood on his head and and he gets all mad about it because she thinks he looks ridiculous eric uh do you agree with sarah do you agree with me eric i mean like what does what is what is this big moment for alabama mean for you anything at all oh geez well, I, I was just trying to think of other movies that had uh big scenes like that where it was uh, you know like kind of a big fight or something that was just kind of controversial to think that was kind of around this time so um but it 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 seemed like uh i don't know like it's it just again it just like this villain that that plays with the food for a bit it's just like you you have this big old speech thank you again quentin tarantino 
about you know this you know, the first time you kill somebody it, well the second time and then the third time and it's just you know it's just they like, do kill her it's like are you gonna kill her or not like what are you trying to do and it just seems i it, i don't know i the whole part of it's fantasy i know you're not supposed to believe it but uh, it just seems kind of silly to me okay yeah. well i mean like Eric, I, I disagree with you because I feel that this scene, this speech tells us a lot about James Gandolfini. He's not just a hired gun. Actually, I think uh, that he's the big boss because he says, Alabama, where is my Coke? And then after that whole scene, which is laying on the floor, he says, yeah, the first one's the toughest one. I threw up on the first one. Like, that tells you so much about that character. Do you, you, know, think, because you think the, that he's the boss and not Christopher Walken, though? Maybe, because he even says, where is my Coke? I mean, I, I, think, I, I think he's saying we as in, you know, the organization. He said, he said my. He said, Alabama, where is my Coke? All right. You know, how about this? His name's Virgil, and that's just not a powerful name. How about that? Could be. Vinche- uh, I mean, Vincesno? Kakati? Yeah, saying. Just that's that's a powerful name. Okay, fine, 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 fine. So, uh, Samuel uh, Jackson was Big Don. <laughs> Clarence does. Clarence does not save the day. She ends up killing him, and then uh, she gets herself all dolled up with a beautiful excuse of she was playing basketball, which Dick does not really believe. I think because it's really funny that scene when they go to the hotel to make the drug deal. Uh, Alabama says, I was playing basketball, and this is how it happened. And then Dick never looked away from Clarence, and I think Dick was like, dude, you just beat your girl up? So, like, Dick was always kind of on edge. So, why this is going on, um, the actor guy, God, what is his name? Um, Bronson Pincho? Not the actor. Elliot, Elliot, thank you. Elliot is driving... Uh, getting pleasure from a lady. He gets pulled over and she smacks a bag of Coke in his face. He gets arrested. He spills the beans. Now we get Tom Sizemore and Chris Penn together. Oh my God, this is great as detectives. And Elliot has spilled the beans that he's going to make a big drug bust. He's going to wear a wire. It's all going on in the Beverly Hotel. Here we go, right? And we get the big movie producer scene with Clarence. Now, Eric, you said earlier in the episode here that this was your favorite scene. So why do you like this so much? It was the buildup. You had the anticipation of everything coming together. You had the cops that were going in mixed in with the mafia that was coming in mixed in with the, you know, the I guess, the, the heroes that were trying to also uh, stage the heist too and just kind of make a run for it. So everything was, was coming together and you, you wanted to, you wanted to see how it was going to go down. Like, you know, it was okay. Because you, you knew one or two things was going to happen. And when more people came came into it, you're just like, okay, well now we're going to get a gunfight and all all it's taken, all these guns out there when yelling, Oh, just one person, just, one just one gunshot is all we all we need, and sure enough, we got it, and that's when it just started to go off, and it was, it was great. It was great. Oh yeah, my favorite henchman was actually Mad Dog, who was the younger of the gangsters who had the black sunglasses. 
loved him. He had the shotgun. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. No? I, okay. I don't. I think that we liked um, the guy from Men in Tights. Oh yeah. Um, Little that? John. Lenny? Oh, no. okay. That was a what? Who? Hold on. The guy That's... from Men in Tights. The guy from Little John was that Dave Chappelle? No, that was a chew. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Um, Eric Allen Kramer. I'm just confirming that he is, in fact, in this movie. Okay, wait a minute. He's the big henchman with the blonde ponytail, the ponytail. that says that he hates cops. Yes. I love he, that scene, yeah, by the confirmed. way. Confirmed. He is in it. They're in it. They were the same year. Robin Hood Men in Tights came out in 1993 as well. I see. I actually love that scene because because that big bodyguard's like, I don't like cops, and he gets blown away, and he's dying, he's bleeding, he keeps on screaming, I need an ambulance. Like, I just found that interesting. But why this is all going on, Clarence is in the bathroom talking to Elvis about how cool he is, meaning how cool Elvis thinks Clarence is. He walks out, and he gets skinned skimmed bullet in the eye through the eye raised. I think it's shot it's a flesh raised wound. the flesh wound and the coke gets blown away dick survives thank god dick survives and they take the money and then <laughs> the movie is alabama and clarence with her newborn baby in mexico laughing and playing on a beach now that was the director's cut but if anybody can find the original ending alabama has a baby and Clarence actually got shot in the face and died. What ending, Eric, I'll ask you first. What ending do you like more? Because I'm going to ask Sarah the same question. Do you like that if Clarence dies, or do you think uh, the way it ends with the director's cut is the best way to, for it to end? Well, it didn't matter because the top moment for us was when during this shootout, my mom had a sympathetic moment of, <laughs> of going, oh, I like Dick. Okay, and that's then, what and then realized laughing. what she had said. Yeah, and then she's like, "Oh, whoops!" We had a, we had I didn't mean. Yeah, just like, "Oh, yep." I was wondering why you Thanks, two mom. were laughing during this episode about Dick because that's what we... my mom said that's... it just like that, and it's just like, "Thanks, yep." It was just the character, completely honest, the character, and innocent. The character, and... I mean, not. Yeah, he was fun though. He was. He was so. Him and Brad Pitt were the the only ones that were innocent. I would say. I mean, right? No, I, I like Michael R Rappaport. He's he's always just kind of he got a lot of work in in this, in this era of just being the ensemble or the background character. He he did a good job of that, of just being the loudmouth, and everyone needed a, a loudmouth in the movie just because it it moved things along, and you you could get attention. He gets attention because he's <laughs> this tall, pale white guy, and he's just a loud New Yorker. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Bill Burr in a way. But it's a, he's a barker, you know, and he's, yeah. he, that's what his purpose is. He does a good job of it. So, um, and you, know, you feel for him too, just because it, they're like likable people. Okay, so then, so then again, though, what ending do you prefer? Should Clarence have died, or should Clarence have not have died? Uh, oh, I think he should have died. Jeez, kill him. Okay, Sarah, how about you? Do you do you, I, I what ending do you agree. like? Um, I I don't think this movie should have been a happily ever after. It just it wasn't that kind of movie. 
And yet right. there they are dancing on the beach in Mexico with their kid and reminiscing about their days of, I don't know, craziness and well, wondering why they named their kid Elvis. I think it would have made more sense, to be honest, because I, I, that's what I originally had thought is that because of him, this was all being set up, this this meeting of where they were at versus the uh, the hotel bodyguards with their guns and then with the other two, with everyone else involved, is that when uh, Clarence was going to go to the bathroom, he would, through his crazy dumb luck in this movie just escape all consequence and then when he comes out for some reason like uh dick alabama maybe the the movie producer uh all hit the deck and survived and everyone else shot each other to where they could just or maybe it was just clarence and alabama and did they pick up the coke and and then they run out right he, well, well they were the only ones without guns that's why, right? Well, they all hit the deck because they didn't have guns. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I mean, you could have the moment where where Dick throws up the suitcase and the and the cocaine gets shown, gets blown away everywhere. But at the end of it, I would still have it to where that uh, through some even last minute, sh you know, shooting and stuff like that, that Clarence and Alabama were the last ones just out of sheer luck, just because. They just let everyone else kill each other off. Then they come out and be like, whoa, what what just happened? They see the money. Like, oh, okay, then. They just pick pick up the suitcase and take the money and run. Like, that would have been I, fitting for this movie, I think. Rather than him well, being this, this, getting hit and be like, oh, and now he gets to wear an eye patch? <laughs> well, the that choice. That choice was Tony Scott. Now we'll get into the history of it that i thoroughly enjoy tarantino wants you to believe that clarence is dead uh eric and well if you feel like sarah will want to see it i implore you to watch the i want to say the gangster trilogy of tarantino reservoir dogs pulp fiction jackie brown every movie they say there's a dropped line especially in reservoir dogs that these gangsters that we see in those movies have worked with Alabama on other crimes, not Clarence. Clarence was never mentioned. Really? You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Yeah, I remember that in Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, they said it. Reservoir uh -huh. Dogs, they said it too, when Harvey Keitel was talking to the big boss, and he's like, hey, how you doing, Harvey Keitel? And he's like, all right, that's just done doing a job with Alabama. Alabama is still alive in this Quentin Tarantino multiverse, and she's considered to be one of the most badass of badasses. And allegedly, uh, her great great grandmother or her great great grandmother is uh, the main chick in uh, Hateful Eight, the one that gets hung at the end. Huh. Spoiler. Well, you guys seen that. Well, movie. is is Clarence. Uh, alive then too? Like no, she, no, she... no. There's no mention of Clarence in that in in those three movies. So that's why I'm saying the movie that Tarantino wants you to see in her romance is Clarence Dives. But Tony Scott didn't want that, the director. So that's why he filmed the ending that he did. So she let herself become a call girl. Technically. But she did give birth to a boy, and his name was Elvis, 
we talk about them. But yeah, so in Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and in Jackie Brown, there's it's blinking you miss it, half a second dialogue of a gangster saying, I just did a job with Alabama. What a what what a movie. I'm just saying, like this is kind of cool, you know, well, because I, it's I like, like I like the connection part of it too, but it's just like you know, can we can we get more of it then? Because it certainly didn't seem like it in this movie. Or is if it is uh Clarence the the is he the job? Is he the no. mark? Yes. No, I I think that if Tarantino would have directed this, we would have gotten a completely different movie. Um either know that Tony Scott fouled the writing on the page from Tarantino. I think the way he would have directed it filmed it, lit it, and how he had the actors do things, I think it would have been a completely different movie. Maybe we'd be saying diff- diff- uh, you know, different things about it. But I always find that connection with Alabama fun in that uh, first three original films. So yeah, if you are a big Tarantino fan, and if you missed that, uh, look into that as well. Uh, my wife and I watched this together a-, a-, a few nights before, so we'll get into the pop rating on this one. She wanted me to tell you guys on air. Uh, it took us two nights to watch it because uh, my wife really wanted to pay attention to this because she knew this was a pretty big movie for me. And she said she gives it a medium. She didn't think it was that bad. And uh, she may watch it again in the future, but she's not going to seek it out. So, Eric, what is your popcorn rating for True Romance? Uh, I I want to give it a small. Wow. Listen, like it's enjoyable. I did get entertainment out of it. I really did. Like Drexel is is fun. It's fun. I I like that character. It reminds me of James Franco in Spring Breakers. It it's just it's just a fun character, and he does a really good job with it too. Yeah, I, I think he's fun. Uh, I liked all the other characters too. Christopher Walken went full walking in this movie too. Dennis Hopper went full hopper in this movie, and you got some great performances out of it as as you would expect. It's it's wonderful to see those. Everyone else kind of just played their played their parts. It's just that this movie was written by a coked up man. It it doesn't make sense. I I get if it's supposed to be a fantasy, but like. What? Like, I mean, is, I is this is this like a, a happily ever after type of fantasy, like a fairy tale type of thing? But it's just, I don't get it. Is it supposed to be a black comedy? Is that why when you when you are having in the most serious of moments and conversations, you play that that horrible that horrible xylophone music, that horrible <laughs> dun 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 dun, that every at every moment it just. Things didn't add up. Things didn't make sense. It seemed, it seemed. I, I don't know. I want to say, just incomplete. It, it like maybe something was there, or 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 maybe that uh, there was a, a lo- uh, just something lost in translation between the the writing and the director. Or I, I I something. It wasn't for me. If if that's what it if that's what it was, or I I got lost in the direction of what it was trying to be, and I didn't I didn't understand the movie. So I get it if someone else likes it and they and they love it, or if this is a thing that they held on to their childhood and the bias. Yeah, but it's just it's not for me. Great bits for sure, but that doesn't make for a great movie. Hmm. 
well, this is no shocker to anybody who's listening to this episode all the way through. I mean, this is this is a large bag uh, with extra extra popcorn. I, I mean, like this says, this is this is a large bag with butter and milk duds and nerds and slurpees. Like 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 this is awesome. This is the second high point for this love series for me that we'll get all season. I, I mean, this movie's just fun. This movie speaks to me, meaning that this movie is just my kind of movie. Uh, it's 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 ridiculous. It's far out there. It has great cast. It's always fun to see a great cast do ridiculous things. Gary Oldman is playing a white guy who thinks he's black and he's a pimp. And he has dreadlocks. I just, I love it. It's ridiculous. This movie is like, it's just so crazy. And that's why I love it. It's because... Uh, it is a chance for me in my personal life to just turn my brain off and just be entertained. And there's been countless of times where I'm bored and I'm like, oh, I want to see the Sicilian scene. And so I go on YouTube and watch it again because, like, this is so great. Like, I like this movie. And I think if you like gangster films and I think if you like crazy ensemble cast movies, uh, then this is definitely a movie for you. Large bag, highest rating I could give it. Like this movie's really, really fun <laughs> for me. This is just fun. And that's the only thing I got to say. It's fun. That's why I love it. Cause it's fun. Sarah, you going to give it a large bag. Awesome. All right. Have a good night. Sarah, what is your popcorn rating for true romance? So one of the things that Eric did tell me was that the two of you prior to this movie had decided that this was probably going to be my number one or my number two choice when we get to the end of this series and we rank all the movies. And so multiple times I looked over at Eric and was like, what am I missing? Why do you guys think this is going to be my favorite? Uh, (laughs) It was, it was most certainly not. Uh, I'm giving this a small bag. Um, And as a, as a reference to one of my very favorite movies, uh, the Sicilian scene, you never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. And Dennis Hopper, uh, you know, came to that conclusion as the gun was put into his face and the trigger was shot or the trigger was, was pulled. Um, it was very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So um, that was what I was thinking when I was watching that scene was, was Vizzini and the man in black from the princess bride. Right. I mean that, okay. Comes Anything together. Else? Makes sense. I, the music was terrible. It took me out of it. Uh, sirens constantly. Um, unnecessary well, sirens. I think. Well, that's just Detroit. I mean, no. It was in in LA all the time. All the time. <laughs> yeah. A time size more. I cannot wait for you to come to Detroit. Time size more seems so coked up in this movie. They all are. Sarah, what else do you think about this movie? <laughs> I think I think that's all I can say. Uh, I would not recommend this. Uh, and I I enjoy <laughs> Quentin Tarantino movies. I have seen many of them in theaters. Very awkwardly, might I say, did I see Pulp Fiction sandwiched between my two parents in the theaters. Um, and I, I enjoy his movies. This one I did not. Definitely not. Maybe it's because he was the writer and not director, but I, I didn't enjoy this movie at all. So but it wasn't one th- so bad that I would give it nothing. So this is what I'm going to argue with you, Sarah, only because Eric has seen this before. This movie is going to stick with you. I mean, you you will tell me right now. No, it won't. And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe six from six months from now, a year from now, 
five years from now, 10, 10 years from now. This movie will stick with you. This movie is forever tattooed in your mind. Did you have seen some of these great A-list Hollywood actors choose to play the roles that they play? And there will be a point in time where somebody says, true romance, and your ears will perk and go, oh, my God. What a terrible movie. Yeah, maybe not. I think I think you got to give this movie another chance again in the future because now you know. Now you know what you're getting. So now you can have your bottle of wine, glass of wine. I'm sorry, not a bottle. <laughs> Thank you. And just and just turn your brain off. And see, that's why I like this. Just turn your brain off. Because so many times in movie guy podcast history have we not been able to turn our brain off. And it just it, it's it's fun to do that. And this movie definitely asked for it. I mean, so I'm not shocked about your review, Sarah. I'm really not. Uh, Eric, I'm actually shocked on yours because I know if Ed was a part of this episode, he would give this a large bag too. Like I, I'm shocked, buddy. I thought you would have given this one a higher rating than what you did. You know, you know what it, it, it was is that I remember this movie as something else. I, I think that this might have been the first time I actually sat down and gave it a a full on attention, front to back, detailed watch. And it was just like, oh, oh, this is what this movie is about. Kind of, kind of moment where you actually watch it for the first time, and you're, just, it's just like, oh, well, this is kind of silly. And, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I get what you're saying that once you, once you see it, you can't unsee this movie. No, and you can't. It, it goes for certain things in in the culture of. Uh, movie of cinephiles, right? Right, absolutely. So I'm, I mean, I like this movie. I will always fight for anybody who's listened to this episode to watch this movie. It is fun. It's one of my favorites. But I want to make it very clear before we close out the show. I'm not saying I think this is a great film that will come later in this Year of Love retrospective series. Because my favorite film of all time is attached to this Year of Love retrospective series. Uh, but this movie's just fun. And that's why I like it a lot. However, though, everybody who's listening, please make sure to check us out on social media. And wherever you get your podcasts from, we are on. So thank you so much, Eric and Sarah, for joining me for this episode. And we'll be back next week for another awesome episode. Have a good night.